and then bringing everything together into what I've now termed a performance practice. And the upshot is that I hope that I've managed to help golfers to find a way to bridge that gap not just between practicing golf and performance, which is the sort of strap line of the book, bridging the gap between practice and performance, but uniting the mental game and the technical game. Welcome to this episode of the Wild Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McDonald. My guest this week and backed by popular demand is performance practice coach, Jane Story. Before listening to this episode, I would encourage you to listen to episodes 23 and 24 with Jane from last year, if you haven't done so already. Jane is a performance practice coach whose deep understanding is based on over 30 years practicing and teaching formal meditation, as well as several Chinese martial arts, including Tai Chi. In this episode, we discuss Jane's latest book, Connected Golf, which is hot off the press. The principles and practices discussed in that book will help you improve in golf and in life. I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. Jane, welcome back to the Wild Golf Podcast. It's uh, good to have you on again, and you're the first guest that I've had on a second time. And it was a very popular episode, so I'm really delighted that you're coming back on because you've been up to quite a lot since we last spoke. Well, thank you, Michael. It's, um, it's great to see you and chat to you again not just because of the uh, interesting questions, but you, your lovely speaking voice. <laughs> it's so relaxing. <laughs> it, hel- it helps with my coaching. Um, yeah. ho- hopefully it doesn't put podcast listeners to sleep, but there mm. you go. <laughs> so Jane, what have you been up to? I know that towards the end of the last time we spoke, I asked you what projects you've been working on or what's coming up. And you mentioned a book that, you're working on that you've been working on for 10 years, which has now been published called Connected Golf, which I recommend to everybody to read. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that project came about. And I know that it was a long period of, of, of working on it. And you know, what came about that it, uh, you know, is published, uh, published now? Yeah, yes, it is published. It's been out just for about five weeks five or six weeks and uh, you're right that it it took me 10 years at least 10 years to write and in fact I've I've got drafts here that go back to 2008 2009 when I started thinking about how can I bring my experience and my practice in the martial arts how can I bring that into golf but of course for the last decade, I've been on a, you know, a huge learning curve. One to try to, obviously, all the time continuing my own practice, but trying to extract the essential elements from the martial arts, and in particular Tai Chi, learning all about golf, trying out my theories with my students around the world, and then bringing everything together into what I've now termed a performance practice. And the upshot is that I hope that I've managed to help golfers to find a way 
to bridge that gap, not just between practicing golf and performance, which is the sort of strap line of the book, bridging the gap between practice and performance, but uniting the mental game and the technical game. So why don't we jump straight into it? So the title of the book is Connected Golf, and one aspect of that is the mind-body connection. Maybe if you could say a bit more about what the mind-body connection is. I think it's really important, first of all, to understand that we don't have a mind-body connection. Or rather, we have it by flashes, we have it by moments. And those moments are usually accidental. There seems a, a huge statement, but when you realize that we are led through our lives day by day by the mind, by thoughts, and it's very, very rarely that we actually bring the thoughts into the body. So we very rarely get connected to the body in times of stress, in times of great difficulty, then perhaps we might have a sense of our physicality. We might have a sense of our breathing, the rhythm of our breath. But most of the time, we're not in the body. So that situation becomes exacerbated in golf and, in fact, in all sports, because the, the way the mainstream try to help golfers and other athletes to play their sport is to coach the technical side, to coach the body and coach the mind with the mental game and the psychology. And of course, those two things are coached separately by different people. But if you think about the training from the East, typically, if you think of an archer, let's think of if you, you can picture a Japanese Kaido archery master as they're standing nice and still looking at the target there is no way that they are thinking through the technique of what they have to do there is no way that they are talking positively to themselves it just it's this is all a stuff that sort of come out of a, a of the golf industry which which really is that it's an industry isn't it designed mm -hmm. to, to make money not necessarily designed to help people play better golf. So the archery master, the Japanese archery master, will have practiced Zazen, which is traditional Japanese meditation. They would have practiced that, you know, for, for decades. And they'll have some awareness of the body, particularly the center of gravity, the relaxation of the upper body, emptying the chest, finding the feet being properly balanced. And these are the things that will be occupying their attention in the moments before they let the arrow free from the bow. So in Connected Golf, what I've intended to do is bring that training to golfers with outlining the background, the benchmark for the training, why it's needed. But to go back to your question, it's very interesting to see that we, we don't have a mind-body connection mm -hmm. and that it's something that, that needs training. And we talked about that a lot in the, in the previous episode too, about you know, the need for a paradigm shift and that 90 for 95% of 
you know, golf coaching is around swing tips and technique and mental thoughts, not about, you know, the a more holistic sort of learning approach that's based more on history and science and, every, and everything else. And I'm pretty sure too that, you know, at the time that these, you know, Japanese archers were, you know, working their craft, they didn't have technique coaches around helping archers with their, you know, the archer yips, you know, inability to pull, pull back the, <laughs> the, you know, the, the bow and everything else, um, because that, you know, it wouldn't have been necessary. So can you just comment too, maybe on, on, you know, the effortless shot? I know that you referred to that early on in the book and how, you know, having a, that mind body connection makes you know, something like a, you know, a pure strike in golf, more effortless, requiring less thoughts, and it's more sort of natural and, and intuitive. Well, the effortless shot, the word effortless is very interesting because all the people that I've spoken to, whether male, female golfers, juniors, seniors, high handicap, pro players, they all use that same word. Oh, it was effortless. The shot was effortless. And then, of course, people set about trying to recreate that effortless shot using the paradigm that exists in the mainstream. So they'll think, well, it must be something to do with my swing. It must be because I did X, Y, Z in my swing. So next time I set up, I'm going to try to do that even more. I'm going to try to do that better. I'm going to try harder. Or they'll think it must be because I'm talking so positively to myself about what a great golfer I am. So I'm going to ramp that up and I'm going to tell myself that, you know, I'm the next Jack Nicholas or, or whatever it is. So they're the only recourses until now that, that golfers have had. And of course, everybody who's listening knows what's coming next. The harder you try, the further away you get from that effortless shot. So what I've tried to do over many, many years, and of course, my research and my interest in this subject goes back way before, you know, 10 years ago when I started writing, it goes back, you know, at least 20 years. And what I, what I discovered, it, it, it's that when the golfer is connected, when the mind and body have some more relation to each other, and those things can be classified as having a quiet mind, the body is, is athletic but relaxed, the breath is quite deep, there's a, there's a clarity of intention about what I need to do, there's a sense of confidence but it's a quiet internal kind of confidence and all of those things are like an inner setup, they're the inner conditions of the golfer that exist before the effortless shot. So they are the prerequisite conditions for the effortless shot. So my thinking and my training, my teaching has been, let's recreate those conditions within the golfer that lead to the effortless shot. Are these conditions, are these the four sort of fundamental internal actions that, that are involved uh, before slightly... the shot, or that's part of it? Slight, yeah, they're part of it, but it, but it's sort of slightly different. Mm -hmm. The four fundamental actions are coming from standing meditation and the different stance-keeping practices of the martial arts. It's a huge subject, but that's about 
relaxing the upper body, driving the energy or emptying the energy down into the legs and into the feet. Mm-hmm. So the upper and lower body, as if you can go back to imagining the archer, upper and lower body have different qualities. The upper body is soft and relaxed. The lower body is strong. And all the strength is down in the legs and in the feet. And the thing that unites those opposing forces in, in the body is the dantian or the hara center, the center of gravity. So that would be the physical application of these conditions which allow a golfer to be connected. It's a very big subject. In terms of the the four actions that you just mentioned, one of them is emptying the chest. And I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about the importance of of that part of the breath and why, you know, both from a physical perspective and as well, you know, just the effect on your on your state and, and you know, in, in terms of the the feeling you have and what it does at the end of a at the end of a breath, as opposed to the point when you're just taking an air and holding it, as it were, like some golfers might take an air, you know, before they do something or it's more, you know, fight or flight, as opposed to, you know, the relaxation response that can come from exhaling, uh, you know, just before you do something. Well, I'm actually asking golfers to exhale through impact, which would be the way a karate master or a kung fu master, you know, you've got this like a key eye sound, which a lot of the uh, women in in tennis try to do, but they're doing it from the chest rather than from the the lower abdomen. So it you know it, it's not quite to my mind it's not quite right. But yes, you would be breathing out through impact. But before we get to that. In the book, I've identified four fundamental actions which come from Tai Chi, but they're older than Tai Chi because they are within all the martial arts, this very interesting condition of the body. Now, last time we talked about breathe golf and we talked about how working with the breathing, particularly if you have the discipline to do formal meditation every day, it allows your mind to go into a flow-like state, which is poised somewhere between concentrating but relaxing. It's that relaxed attention, which is flow. So there's a similar condition in the body, and that's what connected golf is about. And that condition is you're athletic, but you're relaxed. You have structure but not tightness. So within the structure of the body, there is this deep relaxation. And combined with breathing deep in the body, deep in the lower abdomen, which we call the hara center in Japanese martial arts or the dantian from the Chinese, it allows free rotation of the upper body. It allows much more torque and twist through the waist so you can have a you can have more coiled stored potential energy at the top of the backswing Mm -hmm. and then almost the, the upper body unwinds of its own accord because you're twisting or turning a relaxed upper body away from the stability of the legs which creates this fantastic torque 
And if you utilize the center of gravity, if you train for it with your mind and your breathing, your attention, then it unwinds. So if you start with the club correctly positioned by the ball, you, you unwind perfectly through impact. You don't have to think about individual different swing positions because it becomes a whole body movement. Mm -hmm. And that out-breath is designed to expel the maximum amount of energy from the body through the ball at impact for longer and straighter drives. Did you want to say anything more about the you know, the four fundamental internal actions? So that people have a bit more of an idea of what we're talking about. The fundamental actions when you're standing over the ball would be to relax the chest, empty the chest, draw the navel in very slightly so you engage the core of the body. And as you relax the chest and engage the core, you'll find that the energy from the upper body settles in the legs. So you have a way of being positioned more within the legs. So the legs become as they should, like Nicholas and Hogan said, the legs then do become the powerhouse of the golf swing. So we empty the upper body, we engage the tops of the legs, the quads, and also the inguinal crease, which is where your trousers crease when you sit down. And the Tai Chi masters are also very, very specific about where to balance on the feet. And it's not on the balls of the feet and it's not on the back of the heel. If you look at the structure of the body, there are certain locks within the physical body, certain places where if we balance where the Tai Chi masters have instructed, we have true perfect balance. And when we have perfect balance, then we can relax. And could you maybe comment on what exactly is spiral force and how you can go about developing that? To imagine spiral force, just think of an Aikido master or Tai Chi master, where they seem to be moving around an invisible point within the body. So I don't know if, you're, if your listeners can actually picture that. I think so. Yeah, but all of these things are all connected. The, the training is there for a reason. It encourages these four fundamental actions. The four fundamental actions encourage spiral or rotational force. Now, to encourage spiral force or rotation, which is what we want when you're turning from setup, takeaway to the top of the backswing, and also from the backswing through impact. As I said earlier, the upper and lower body must have different qualities. And it's something that I don't see watching the pros, especially the guys on the professional tour. You see them setting up with, with raised shoulders, tight shoulders, you know, obviously breathing shallowly in the chest. And the upper body is as muscular and as taut as the legs. Now, from an Eastern point of view, that's counterproductive. So it's only when the upper body relaxes that you can utilize the center of gravity. Now, if you imagine the center of gravity like a golf ball, imagine a golf ball. If you could 
see that within your body. So the, the Dantian or the Hara is positioned two inches below the navel. So if there was a golf ball inside the body that sits just in front of the spine and you're standing there in a nice relaxed natural posture and you relax your upper body, then that golf ball turns, the golf ball within the body turns. And this is the way the Tai Chi masters visualize and depict and talk about this center of gravity. So we see immediately that that becomes a movement in three dimensions. It's like a pivot point or a fulcrum of movement that resides within the lower abdomen that we turn around. And we're turning that against the stability of the legs, positioned in the balance point on the feet, loading the legs so that you're sitting down into the quads. And I think it was Hagen, one of the Walter, much Walter older. Hagen. Yeah. Yes, Walter Hagen. Thank mm -hmm. you. I think it was it was Hagen who who liked to imagine that he was sitting on a shooting stick at setup. So this way of relaxing the upper body, and I think you see it with Nicholas. You don't see Jack Nicholas if you look at the old footage with his shoulders up round his ears and all. You know this big muscular chest and you know, is very relaxed. His upper body's relaxed, but you know that Nicholas used to leave his footprints in the ground after he teed off. And it's only by emptying the upper body that we can develop this ground force energy. It doesn't matter how much you can squat in the gym. If you're shallow breathing and your shoulders are tight, you're not utilizing the power of your legs at all. Your listeners can check this. I mean, if you're at the driving range and you have a, one of your golf buddies with you, you set up in the way that's the sort of conventional mainstream way mm -hmm. and ask your friend just to give you a little nudge in the sternum. You, you're going to go flying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then if you apply these four fundamentals from, from the book and ask your friend to do the same thing, he won't be able to move you or she won't be able to move you. So when you're, when you're balanced and when you're really connected to the ground, then it becomes an anchor. You know, a good technique can only exist on the top of, of true fundamentals and, and balance is one of them. And I'm, just to finish that, I, I'm not knocking any, you know, golf pros or the PGA or the orthodox way, the mainstream way. I'm just suggesting that we look a little bit deeper. Let's look a bit deeper at these things. And let's look at these. I mean, in Tai Chi, when, when I was studying Tai Chi, because I've started training in a different martial art now. But when I was studying Tai Chi, which I did for like nearly 35 years, you had five generations of the same family working out specific principles. So imagine if Jack Nicholas's father, grandfather, great grandfather, you know, Nicholas's son, Nicholas's grandson, they all working according to the same, the same parameters. Could you imagine? You know, so I think we need to give a nod to these ancient practices and incorporate them into the modern way. Yeah, and not dismiss them just because they're they're ancient. And the concept of compression, I think you probably alluded to, 
Yeah, what, what exactly is that? Well, again, this goes back to the four fundamentals. And there's a really interesting saying from Tai Chi that when we relax the chest, we find the feet. And again, it's something that listeners can practice. If you stand up, feet shoulder width, width wide, hands by your sides, head up. Nice, natural, easy posture. The more you try to empty and relax your chest, you'll find the shoulders settle down, the breath and the mind automatically go to the lower abdomen. And you start to feel your feet. It's like, wow, my God, I've got legs and I've got feet. <laughs> so we can compress the body. There's a compression in the body. And of course, the opposite of that is expansion. You compress and expand, compress and expand, mm -hmm. as we do in, in punching, in, in kung fu or, or whatever. Uh, and we'll do this in golf. You compress into the ground at setup. Nice, easy, deep breath in to the top of the backswing. There's a moment there where you can compress again and, and apply the four fundamentals so that your the ground force energy is is coming from the feet through impact as you exhale. I mean, it's it's a huge subject, but it, it needs training. It's not difficult training, but there's a training, there's a, there's a training sort of regime or training system to, to help the body to get back to this sort of more natural way let's say for compression and this, these drills are in the book let's say I have a tennis ball in my hand and I want to throw it up over a brick wall there's no strength there's no weight in that tennis ball so I'll just throw it if I had a medicine ball from the gym maybe I can need to compress my body a little bit and I'm going to do that perfectly naturally without even thinking about it I'm going to empty the chest, maybe load my right quad a little bit and throw that medicine ball. If I had an eight kilogram kettlebell and I had to do the same thing, then those actions would be even more exaggerated. I empty the chest, load the leg and push from the ground. And that energy transfers from the ground through the waist into the upper body. And that kettlebell is going to go flying over the wall. Just a, a quick question, because uh, in terms of the ability to, you know, to use the ground and connect to the ground and feel the ground, you know, so much of what we do in life and, and you know, this I'm also alluding to a, a previous guest that we had on who's, you know, a, a doctor who focuses on, you know, doing more and more things barefoot, you know, with bare feet because of the, all the proprioceptors in your feet. Is that something you would advocate, you know, in terms of, you know, using the ground? I'm not saying, that, you know, the professionals should be going around barefoot in a tournament, but in terms of improving your ability to feel the ground and balance, because I think, you know, you, there's a huge, you know, filter and block, I think, in the way often if you're working on your balance and you're using, you know, shoes with a big heel that have, you know, half inch, inch sole, and you can't really feel feel the ground. And you know, people like Sam Sneed were doing this barefoot 
you know, 60, 70 years ago. Um, but I'm just interested in your thoughts on, yeah, sure. on, on doing you, that. Yeah, you can certainly do your training in, in bare feet. I mean, in Tai Chi, we would do um, the stat, standing practice or standing meditation where you stand and hold different postures for anywhere between 10 minutes and 40 minutes, just standing still. It's a bit like the SAS drills, you know, where the guys have to hold the rifle up above their head or whatever, and you just stay there. But these are more, more conducive to, to sport. The Chinese don't train in bare feet because it's not realistic. Because mm -hmm. if you if you get into a fight, you know, outside the chip shop on a Friday night, you're going to have your trainers on. Older martial arts like Kalari from India, they always train barefoot. So it's personal preference, really. You can do the training in barefoot. And then when you do the training, you re-educate the body. So when you put your shoe, golf shoes on and go out to the course, you, you would have trained your body anyway. And we touched on this already a little bit, but what would you say is true balance true balance is locating the balance point on the feet i do have a youtube video out on that which is called i think it's called tai chi footwork for effortless golf something like that but if you go on my website i'm talking about it and i even point to my shoe and you can you can see it but it's the front inside part of the heel so just behind the instep and there's a bone that runs down the inside of the lower leg. The I can never remember if it's the fibula or the tibia, but it's the inside of the lower leg. And the job of that bone on the inside of the lower leg that sort of ends there, front inside of the heel, you know, the job of that bone is to support 90% of your body weight, which is why when people crack their ankles, it's always because they've gone over on the outside of the ankle to the other bone on the outside of the lower leg. And the job of that bone is to support 10% of your body weight. So if you're anywhere on the feet but the front inside part of the heel, the job of which is to support 90% of your body weight, then you're not balanced. We can go to pretty much any of the tour players who are setting up on the balls of the feet. And maybe we could talk about that a little bit uh, more than maybe you could just describe, you know, the difference between an orthodox setup and, uh, and a connected setup. It's, it's hard without uh, having visuals, but mm -hmm. um, one of my students, uh, a guy from Sweden, has played golf for many, many years. And he changed his setup. He sent me a long email about it because his coach just said that his impact position was incredible and that his swing was, you know, just had such a beautiful swing. And Pella, my, my student, he changed some very simple things. When you get the book and you read Connected Golf, you'll do the training, hopefully. So you'll learn to stand still for five or ten minutes in these different postures. When you do that, you learn to relax the upper body, load the legs, find the balance point, breathe deeply, clear the mind. So when you're standing over the golf ball, you have the opportunity to call upon that training and apply those four fundamentals. And each one 
is related to the next one. When we empty the chest, we can breathe more deeply. When we breathe more deeply, we're more relaxed. When we empty the chest, we lower the center of gravity. We have better balance. We have leg strength. We have ground force energy. We can rotate. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you thought about the whether it makes more sense for your setup position to be more like your impact position? Because I'm thinking when you think of you know, Bruce Lee or karate, mm. you know, if, if you're about to hit somebody or if you're a shot putter, you know, your, your starting point is much closer to your impact position in terms of being a little bit more faced, opened up to the target, connected with the target, facing the target. And that, you know, you're, why wouldn't you're, and it's only in golf really where your starting point, you know, with your body, you know, facing, 90 you know 90 degrees to the target and the way you're holding the club doesn't resemble in any way what the club looks like at impact it yeah. just strikes me if you're you know if you're a carpenter hitting a nail you're not going to be you know yeah. you know 90 degrees to the target perfect you know swing hands like this you're going to be you know close to your impact position and just you know very exactly. simple natural movement i think i mean golf is is really in danger of you know, golf instruction is in danger of disappearing of its own what's it. Because I've even heard people, uh, methods, systems that divide the golf swing into a hundred different positions. You know, in the book I've written about the difference between control freak mind and team mind body. And, you know, I hardly need to say anything else about that. But one thing that's disappearing from golf because of this mind-body split that we have innately, which is exacerbated in the way the game is taught, and I have to say that's the same for other sports as well, is the relationship between intention and action. And unfortunately, in the West, with the prevalence of psychology and sport, which has its uses, but not when you're playing your sport. This link between intent and action is all but cancelled out. And we believe that intention is something to do with the mind. It's something to do with this checklist approach to golf, which, uh, which abounds now. Oh, if I do this and do that and do this and do that and think this and think that, yeah, I'm going to hit the ball. I'm going to hit a perfect shot. Well, no, you're not. And if we look back, I mean, I've said this several times being interviewed, but I always think of Seve Ballesteros. Mm -hmm. I, I've got a picture of him in my mind. And you can see the intention in his eyes and how the body has responded to intention, which is very different from, mm -hmm. from how golfers are, are, are taught at the moment. But if you... If you do the training that I'm advocating, you will develop more awareness of yourself. You'll know when you're tight. You'll know when you're shallow breathing. You'll feel when you're balanced or when you're comfortable over the ball. And you begin to develop what one of my mentors and, and students and, and now a good friend of mine has called the inner setup. As an inner setup, which is 
how your body is going about responding to the intent. As that example I gave you of throwing the tennis ball, the medicine ball, or the kettlebell over the brick, you know, over the high wall. The mind has the intention, the body automatically responds to the intention. But it's difficult for a lot of golfers to get there without the training. And, and this is where breathe golf comes in, because your body cannot respond to your intention if your biochemistry is going off the charts. If you're in fight, flight and freeze mode, your body will not respond to your intention, which again is why I'm advocating your formal meditation practice alongside these more physical training from connected golf. So how can you develop ground force energy? By emptying the upper body, emptying the chest, relaxing the shoulders, getting in touch with the center of gravity, with the mind and, and with the breathing. And all of those things, as I've said, empties the energy from the upper body. If you do the, the training that I'm advocating, you might experience what many of my students experienced when I was teaching Tai Chi, which I did for like 20 years or something, is that you, you feel your legs getting heavier. You feel your feet almost stuck to the ground. But at the same time, you know, if somebody ran past you and knocked your shoulder, your upper body would spin quite effortlessly around. So you're not rigid. So that, that training is martial arts training. It's not gym training. It's not. It's not about having muscular thighs or strong legs. It's all from the martial arts training. And you mentioned Bruce Lee a little while ago now. Bruce Lee was something like five foot seven, five foot, five foot seven, five foot eight, maybe slightly shorter. He had 8% body fat at one time. So he wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he knocked a guy flying with the, with the one-inch punch where he put his forefinger on the guy's shoulder. And you, there's footage of this online. So you watch him. He, he, this is ground force energy. He empties the chest. So all the energy out of the chest, down into the ground, loads the legs, find the balance point. That's compression that we talked about earlier compression the opposite of that is expand so when bruce lee expanded he was expanding with the power of the earth underneath him and that went straight through this guy who goes flying back he crashes into a load of chairs people have to pick him up from the back of the hall that's ground force energy Yep. And, I, and I'm sure if, you know, if he was on some sort of force plate, there would be a ton of force. You wouldn't notice it, you know, watching one of his movies, but there'd be a ton of force going into the ground. Oh, totally. Well, you can see the force because it's equal and opposite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Action, exactly. isn't it? yeah. 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 And this is a, I mean, a fairly, you know, big question, but it's uh, a lot of people will have superficial answers to it. But what would you say it means to be in the present I think people have to discover that for themselves, really. There's so much talk about that. You know when when you're there. You know it. I've had students or people that I, that I haven't met who, who've read the books will write to me and say, you know, I had this experience as the sun was going down and I was on the 
15th green and time seemed to slow down or other people say well I heard the birds singing on the golf course for the first time ever and my shot was beautiful or they'll say I was aware of the the club head and how it moved through space all these are experiences of flow which as I said right at the beginning usually happens by accident but in the east they'll be training for that they're training to encourage that state to appear by learning to be quiet with oneself and i don't think any of our listeners would be in in this camp and that is that you know they would read a book like connected golf and they would think okay what are the three or four swing thoughts i can take to this book that i'll try on the course in the, in the next week and 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 if it doesn't work i'll discard it like any other you know swing thought and i think you probably know where i'm coming from here how do you deal with the challenge of of you know giving the impression and letting people know that to get to this place it requires hard work deep work and it's not something that is just a case of getting you know three or four you know tips from somebody like you you actually have to experience and do in the work yourself I've, I've been accused of laboring the point i'm afraid especially <laughs> in, my, in my first book i've said on every somebody counted how many times I've said this is not a technique it's a practice (laughs) yeah I I think I think people I've been around long enough people know what what I'm about and 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 what's expected you you know you you do the work but if you do the work then there's something very it's it is something very real that builds up something inside that you can then call upon when you're out there in the middle of the fairway, you've got to get on the green to have any chance of winning. It's something you have to have a practice, a, a performance practice. And I would, I guess, add to that too that you know the rewards are not just what might happen on the golf course. It's you know everything in your in your life. It's everything. I mean, we only take ourselves onto the golf course anyway. That people say all kinds of things. Their relationships get better, working environments, uh, associations with other with colleagues get better, private life gets better. I don't know what people mean by that, but we, we, <laughs> we've all got an idea. Um, it's um, it, it expands into into everything. I mean, even somebody just wrote to me, a golfer who who never thought about well he said when he was eating it was just a meal Mm -hmm. and now when he eats he 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 enjoys every mouthful Mm -hmm. that's really interesting isn't it it's more like a it's more like a tea ceremony or an eating ceremony where he's actually enjoying it as he's doing it rather than he's just enjoying Mm -hmm. and that sort of leads us into one of the symptoms if you like of being in flow is that there is time you have time and i've even spoken to juniors junior tennis players some time ago these kids were 11 years old and they knew all about flow or, or the zone 
And they said when they were in flow, the tennis ball was coming across the net. They could see it twisting and turning, the mm -hmm. piping on the ball as it came over the net. And they had all the time in the world to position themselves and fire a backhand down the line. We know about flow when it, when it touches us. As I know in, in your book, you, you know, you reference Ben Hogan and Jack Nicholas quite a lot. And I expect for good reason, particularly as you compare him to, you know, the warriors of the ancient East. But would you like to say a little bit more about, about that? Well, I mean, Jack, Jack Nicholas is my sporting hero. I mean, anybody who's read or anything I've written or listened to me ever, I always talk about Jack Nicholas because it was hearing Jack Nicholas say that golf is played with the feet. I heard that sort of, I don't know, around 2004, 2005, just before Jack Nicholas retired. And I thought, wow, that's, that's Tai Chi. That's Tai Chi. The Tai Chi phrase is rooted in the feet, moving through the waist, expressed in the hands. This is the order of natural movement. So it was hearing that that sort of set me off on this path. So, I mean, he's been a massive influence on my life. But if you look at the modern game, well, where are the feet? You know, because it's all upper body positions, different swing positions. And I mean, Hogan and Nicholas, both of them were all about the, the lower body, the feet, the legs ground force the stability the powerhouse of the swing that's where it's all coming from it's all coming from the legs i tell you that tai chi phrase again all movement is rooted in the feet so think about the your golf swing when i'm saying this so rooted in the feet moving through the waist and expressed in the hands so I've written a bit more about the spiral energy in, in the book. The hands express spiral energy. The, the, the wrists don't make leverage. The wrists express the leverage that's coming from the spiral force that's created by being anchored in the ground, relaxing the upper body and twisting through the waist. Is there any benefit um, Jane, uh, I know that your book in the last chapter, there's quite a lot of, you know, exercises and things that people could, you know, put into their practice, but would there be any mileage in maybe you describing, you know, one exercise or practice that, you know, people could, people could try to give them a, a small taste or knowing full well that they can, you know, go onto your website or onto YouTube and see a lot of the, you know, a lot of your videos describing some of these things? Well, I think one of the drills that has captured a lot of people is, is it employing this standing practice or standing meditation as a drill for your swing. So holding your setup position, and you can practice this with a friend. So you hold the setup position apply the four fundamentals that we've talked about and see if you can be stable and not let your friend push you over. And people, please be careful. Don't be throwing each other across the, the <laughs> driving bays, you know. And then you can hold the position at the top of the backswing. 
And there's a little pause there. Apply those four fundamentals again and then see, are you balanced? Because you should be able to be have the same balance and the same locks in the lower body, in the feet and the tops of the legs as, you know, at setup and at the top and through impact. It's all the same thing. And we're training those parameters. We're training those locks in the body. So holding the setup, holding the top of the backswing, maybe holding impact, although that's that's a tricky question because we should always be accelerating through the ball as we accelerate a, a punch through a target and then holding the finished position. So that that's quite interesting to see well, at the top of my backswing, I'm, you know, I'm coming onto my toes or or um, I'm moving laterally rather than rotating around my centre. So it's really useful. Slow motion practice as well. And, you know, I'm talking 20 seconds, 30 seconds for the whole swing. This is the Tai Chi swing that you described. In the... Tai Chi swing, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's all kinds of things which are which are coming from the from the martial arts. I've got a transition drill where you're applying those four fundamentals at the top, this sort of dip down, and there you know it's like a um, I think it's Kendall McWay talks about this like you're hitting the golf ball with a hammer. It's like yes, a hammer yes. blow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's increasing, hopefully adding. To uh, what Kendall's describing there with the martial arts mm -hmm. uh, knowledge, and I think it's Pete Cowan who talks about the spiral staircase. Um, so anybody who's practicing that, yeah, just just add these little bits. You know, I'm not asking you to tear up the the rule book. I'm just saying acknowledge these ancient principles and work them into whatever you're doing. One question I had is and this is a question from you know the player's perspective but when a player is playing you know connective connected golf what does that you know look and feel like to him or her well in the book i've i've put a, a diagram like a performance pyramid where i'm talking about three levels of golf I think when people talk about golf, they're actually talking about three different games. So at the very bottom of this pyramid, you've got a game called Search for a Swing. And I'm sure I don't need to explain too much about that, only to say that that is a golf game that's determined by control freak mind. Mm -hmm. Searching and looking and tweaking and fiddling about with your swing in the middle of a round. And that has been the case with many tour professionals when they've crashed out of tournaments or there's been an expectation on them to win because they've come back to their home course or whatever. And it's just gone from bad to worse. And the more you try, the more you try and fix it with the mind, the worse it gets. So the second level, level two in the middle of the pyramid would be good days, bad days which is, has been experienced by everybody listening to this. And maybe you hit a few good shots in a round and then suddenly it all starts to come apart. And then again, you try a little bit harder, you start thinking through things 
have a few more swing thoughts. And again, it goes south. And I think we, we did touch on this earlier as to what, what connected golf is. So level three, so the top of the pyramid. Connected golf is a game that we play when you do your training to recreate the conditions within yourself that allowed you to hit that effortless shot when it took your breath away and it caught you totally by surprise. And if you think back to your the best shots you've ever hit, the shots that you would say were effortless, I would bet that your mind was quiet, you had a sense of clarity about your intention, you were probably breathing quite deeply, you were very present on the course, your body was relaxed, but you felt strong, you felt confident, and you were able to move quite freely. So that, that's connected golf, and we can train for it. Before we do the rapid fire questions, are there any projects you have coming up? Are there any other books in, in gestation? Is there what's going on? Yes, I'm, going, I'm doing connected putting at the moment, and that will be out early summer. All right, it's fantastic. an audio audio program. Got it. Great. So, if, Jane, a few rapid fire questions. I know that I asked you the same four questions that I ask everybody last last time, so I'm not going to ask you to have a different answer. But one question I'll ask is if you could have a round of golf with three other people, you know, alive or not alive, and if they could all come back to play, who would those three people be? Well, it's got to be Jack, Mickey Wright, and Sebi Ballesteros. Those are three good choices. I could watch watch those three play. Uh, especially Mickey Wright. I think she's got the, had the most, uh, you know, wonderful swing. Uh, just look effortless. Let's, let's say effortless and very simple. And you look at the difference in the upper and lower body mm -hmm. and women are much uh, better at separating upper and lower body from that than men are just because we're built differently, but you see the, the hips are separated from the waist the upper body follows, you know, slightly behind the movement of the of the legs and the hips. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And when we discussed last time, I believe one of the passions you mentioned was your guitar playing. I have to ask, how, how's, oh, how's, your, how's your guitar playing? How's your guitar? How's your guitar? Thank you for asking. How's your guitar playing coming along? It's fantastic. I absolutely love it, and I'm getting into electric flamenco. Electric. I mean, I've Electric heard. Electric flamenco. I've heard. I've heard of just using like a Spanish uh, guitar for flamenco, but no, I've yeah. never heard of electric yeah. flamenco. Yes. I, well, I've got my Spanish guitar, but I also got an electric guitar for my birthday, right. and I started learning a bit of blues. But you know, I prefer to listen to John Lee Hooker or Muddy mm -hmm. Waters. You can't possibly, you know, play like that. So I just, I just listen to them. So I thought, what can I use my electric guitar for? And lo and behold, there's a whole genre of um, electric flamenco. So, All right, wow. Well, yeah. Have you ever listened to Rodrigo and Gabriela? 
night by any chance? Yeah. Yes, I have. I've seen them live too. It's, I mean, it's obviously they use acoustic guitars amplified, but it's very sort of Spanish. Oh, it's gorgeous. uh, and, And percussive. And lastly, Jane, if there was, you know, one message uh, from the book that you would like to, you know, to really tell the world about, what would that one message be from, you know, from Connected Golf? It would be that to perform under pressure, you must have a performance practice. So work, 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 practice, practice, practice. Yes, train, 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 work, work, work. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Well, why not? You know, why not? I agree with that. Jane, thanks again for coming on the podcast. It's always great to have you on. And and I'm sure when Connected Putting comes out, there'll be even more to talk about. Yes, thank you. That's a, an audio program I'm working on, and that should be out by the summer. Um, but thank you very much. Um, I know it's a bit of a bit of a shift for people to get their heads round, and um, I'm not really such an ogre. I just I love my training. I love I love what I do, and um, I helped a, a young woman last year through doing her performance practices and her training. She's achieved her dream of becoming a pro golfer. And I met with her yesterday and you should hear the goals that she set for herself over the next five years. And she's talked about feeling calm and confident, you know, and uh, to have those two things side by side, Mm -hmm. calm and confident. I mean, it's just, you can't ask for more when you're uh, in tournament play. Yeah. And I, and I think, life on tour is so difficult too when you're starting out but the fact that she's got you know a wider practice that can you know ground her through everything that she's going through i gotta help gotta think that that's going to be quite helpful for her exactly thanks jane see you next time thank you michael thank you for listening to this episode of the wild golf podcast with jane story If you like this episode, please tell your friends and leave a review on your favorite podcasting service. My guest on the next episode will be Ian Renshaw, a world-renowned academic expert advisor and coach in the area of skill acquisition and sport in general and golf in particular. See you next time.